Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee and Cap Rates, a podcast where we break down the New York City real estate investment sales market. I'm Remy Mandel, an analyst in the research department of Ariel Property Advisors, and I'm really excited to be part of the first ever Coffee and Cap Rates podcast. Sitting next to me today is Shimon Shakuri, the founder and president of Ariel Property Advisors. Our goal today is to provide you with the insights on the multifamily asset class. This fact-finding mission is based on our research department's long-lasting work, as well as our broker and investment feedback of the market. So with that... Shimon, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Remy. I'm very uh, pleased and happy to be here today with you, taping uh, this Coffee and Cap Rates uh, podcast. Me as well. So at Ariel, I've been here for about a year now. I've learned so many great things, and I know we market multifamily buildings, so I would love to get your insight on the multifamily investment sales market for the first quarter of 2019. Well, it's right. We are a company, one of the companies that does a lot of work in that arena, and the first quarter of 2019 was very interesting to us because we've seen a real decline in both transaction volume and the number of transactions that took place for the first quarter compared to the uh, last quarter of 2018. We saw $2 billion in multifamily sales across 75 transactions, and that's about a 50% decrease in the number of transactions and a 43% decrease in the volume. These drastic declines are mostly attributed to uh, the uncertainty surrounding the looming expiration of the state's rent regulation laws. Do you mind elaborating a little bit about what the new regulations are supposed to entail? Oh, absolutely. The new regulations are supposed to minimize Many of the advantages a rent-regulated building has as it pertains to the landlords. Uh, The advantages are mostly in the form of uh, rent-stabilized units turning over and changing tenancy. So today, there's an opportunity to deregulate the unit. The state says, or the law that is proposed says, that luxury decontrol will go away. The other item that is on the table today is what we call a vacancy bonus. A vacancy bonus is a 20% bonus when tenant leaves to the next tenant. And that is also proposed to go away. The third item is a preferential lease treatment. In many cases, you can rent a unit for less than what the registered rent is uh, registered at because the market is just not there. And uh, if you sign the tenant on the right uh, rider, you can increase back to the uh, legal rent, and that treatment is going to possibly go away. And the last and most important aspect are the individual apartment improvements and major capital improvements, which are features that allow a landlord to put money into individual units upon vacancy or into the whole building and increase the rents accordingly. These treatments are going to be substantially diminished, which means that it's going to not necessarily make any sense for a landlord to put money into the buildings. So this is what we're facing. The most important thing to remember 
is that right now we just don't know where we're going to land. And that is that creates uncertainty, and uncertainty creates a situation where buyers and sellers or sellers don't want to agree on price, do not agree on price, and hold off from uh, transacting. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting when those regulations come out because I know, as we mentioned, we have such low transaction volume. It's actually the lowest numbers since 2010. So I know investors are definitely remaining hesitant. Rent regulation is very factual, and I know most of our listeners know a lot about what's being proposed right now. So is there anything besides rent regulation that you believe is impacting the market so far this year? Yes, I think the anticipation... For interest rates, this time around, uh, interest rates are going to be expected to come down. And we've had the Fed telling us that. So the the anticipation for interest rates to come down could positively affect the multifamily market in general. Supply and demand in general, there are a lot of new buildings that are coming online, have affected mostly concessions, which in return lowered effective rents. So that's something that we're tracking. And then uh, the fact that there are different locations, different product types and mix of products as it pertains to the new rent regulation is something that people should watch for. So not every building was created equal. A building that has a 421A tax abatement and was built in the past five or 10 years could actually receive a tremendous amount of interest from investors. A building that has deep rent-stabilized units, which means that the loss to lease is extremely high, will have a different treatment from investors. A building that is in Manhattan below 96 or in Bronx, both these, you know, these examples will receive different treatments from investors. So it sounds like a lot of negative things for owners who are mostly own rent-stabilized apartment buildings. So if I'm an investor... Do you have any advice or any thoughts for me on what I should do with my current property? Well, I think that you'll have to make a decision. So going back to the different categories of multifamily assets, if some of the very small sliver of the multifamily assets will actually appreciate, and many of them will have to reset pricing, meaning will readjust because of the new regulations. So I think that for multifamily owners, it's going to be a period of time where they assess, after the law is in effect, they assess whether they want to stay in this asset class for the long term or whether they have a better opportunity and willing to sell today in a different market with a different pricing and move their equity somewhere else. Um, and I think these are the decisions from multifamily investors who are looking at this market I think the reset is going to be in the expectation of return. The upside that we used to see in rent-stabilized apartment buildings is not going to be the same, not even close. And I think that the investor expectation will be for current yields, uh, yields that are more or closer to, you know, stabilized uh, yields, probably at least 100 basis points, if not 150 basis points on average, higher than what we used to see. So from an investor's perspective, it's just a big reset and strategic thinking about A, what we have, and B, what we want to have and, and buy in the future. I want to mention that New York City, nothing changed. I mean, the demand is here, the population is here, the universities are here. The only thing that changed is the political environment and the regulation law. So we can look at it to an extent as also as an opportunity. And the question is, how is that going to change the overall real estate market? 
And these are the questions we will need to answer over time. And the smart investors who are going to read the map correctly are going to have a, a substantial benefit and leg up compared to uh, others who don't. You mentioned how investors are going to have to shift focus maybe towards other asset classes or other locations where they haven't necessarily been in the past. Have we seen that already in 2019 or you think that's just going to be a thing of the future once these laws are enacted? So I think that you will see that when the laws are enacted, but I, I, we did start seeing uh, some multifamily investors that are telling us they're investing in other asset classes such as commercial or office, and some of them that are telling us that are they're going to keep investing in the same asset class but go to different locations outside of the city of New York and some of them outside of the state of New York because they want to see they want no regulation. Some of them are specifically talking about Republican states, so their regulatory risk is not even there. And that is extremely interesting in my close to 20-year career. I haven't seen such a change in investor sentiment. That's going to be really interesting to be at the forefront of, for sure. I'd like to go into pricing a little bit. Um, I know in our data, pricing was a mixed bag. Some price per square foot in Manhattan and northern Manhattan, they decreased while others' pricing remained steady and constant. So how do you think, or why is it possible that pricing is going down in certain areas and going up in other areas? I think we have to remember that in the past quarter, we didn't see enough transactions in uh, some areas. And also in the past few years, we've seen Manhattan below 96th Street pricing affected more than the boroughs. And, and that's what we're starting to really see. So Manhattan below 96th Street in terms of pricing, somewhat stabilized. The prices that we have today are the prices that we had a year ago, more or less. And the boroughs specifically in Upper Manhattan, certain areas in Queens, et cetera, uh, were affected by pricing that, but they weren't affected before. The Bronx, surprisingly, is staying stable. I think it's, I think, again, we're in a holding pattern here. I think that uh, once that holding pa pattern and certainty comes back to market, that will change. I do think we'll see price declines as a result of the new regulation. One thing to mention is it's not going to happen overnight. People will digest, strategize, make decisions. So I think 2020 is going to be a big year for a transaction volume in the multifamily asset class. I'm not saying it's going to jump because, again, these things happen slowly, but I think we'll have a much better understanding of pricing and how investors are, or what kind of cap rates investors are expecting to see, what kind of yields they're expecting to see going into multifamily transactions. I think you bring up a real interesting point about how the number of transactions was very limited, so we're dealing with a small sample size. So I believe you're right, in 2020, once people are actually making decisions, we're going to see the real effects on the rent regulation legislation. Just want to ask a little bit more about what we're seeing at Ariel currently. I know we've been saying transaction volume is down. So are we seeing that really at Ariel? Are most of our listings moving or are they staying still? We definitely are moving listings, not at the same pace we'd like to move them in general. We were to date have uh, the largest amount of listings we've ever had. It's 105 listings and we're focusing on conversion. What we're seeing is really that the buyers and sellers are divided to three main categories. The first category, those who will trade today at any price. And these are sellers who 
you know, have a partnership dispute, court order, estate issue, something that forces them to trade today. These are also buyers who have a certain requirement like a 1031 or a certain investor that really wants to put money to work and are willing to trade today. And that's just a question of pricing. And uh, these are the transactions that are really happening specifically in the multifamily asset class. The second type of buyers are those who will trade today at what they believe should be a risk-adjusted price. And the risk-adjusted price that I'm discussing is relative to the new regulations. So a seller who's realistic and is taking a proactive approach and saying, look, the worst case scenario is this, the best case scenario is that, I'm willing to adjust my pricing accordingly. And a buyer that does the same, takes a little bit of risk on the rent regulation, but willing to pay a certain premium for a rent-stabilized building, these kind of transactions are happening today. And so there's a little bit of risk-taking here, but these are, this is the second group, and this is a group that doesn't necessarily have to sell but wants to, to execute before the regs are in. The third are those who will not trade today, both buyers and sellers. And these are people that want to see the specifics of the regs. Sellers want to, who are willing to bet that it's going to be better than what people think, these are buyers who say, I really need to see it before I make a, an investment decision. And in terms of these three groups, I, I, don't, I think they're close to evenly divided. So about a third are ready to sell today. About a third are kind of on defense, depending on pricing. And about a third are not going to trade today. And that's extremely interesting for us to see as intermediaries how, this market, uh, how the market reacts to the new laws or the expected new laws. Yeah, at Ariel, we have a very interesting position because we get the opportunity to speak with both sellers and buyers on what they're interested in and what they're not interested in. So I'm really glad we got to cover that. So with that, I think it's about time to wrap up. I really want to thank you very much, Simone, for being here today. You provided such insightful information. For our listeners here, if you want to hear more about our extensive research, you could visit our website, arielpa.com. Thank you all so much and tune in next time for the next Coffee and Cap Rates.